Welcome to Everybody ESL, the podcast for everybody who wants to improve their English, practice their English, or just learn more English. This is the very first episode of the Everybody ESL podcast, so I still have a lot to learn. I hope that as I get more experience, the podcast will get better and better, and I need your help to make it better. As you listen and follow along with me, you might have questions email them to me. If you're wondering about something, if some point of grammar or pronunciation or vocabulary has always confused you, you're probably not alone. Someone else is probably wondering about the same thing. And if you have any suggestions for me about making the podcast better, I'd like to hear from you about that too. Send all of your questions, suggestions, comments, and anything else to everybody ESL at gmail.com. Before we get started with this episode, I'd like to tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Ben, and I live in Seattle, Washington, way up in the northwest corner of the United States. I've been interested in languages for as long as I can remember. I got a master's degree in linguistics from the University of Washington here in Seattle, and along the way I have studied many languages. Russian, German, Old English, Finnish, Latin, Ancient Greek, and Sanskrit. And I'm currently studying Korean with a tutor. And I have been working with her for about four years now. But to be honest, the only language I can really speak and understand well is English. I've also been a volunteer ESL tutor for many years and I really enjoy helping people with their English. I think I'm good at explaining difficult things in a clear way, and I hope you agree. One thing that I would like to do in every episode of the Everybody ESL podcast is talk about an interesting point of English grammar. For the first episode, the point that I wanted to talk about is the difference between words that end in ed, words like bored or surprised, and words that end in ing, like boring or surprising. One thing that I've noticed is that many people who are learning or improving their English have trouble with word pairs like these. Very often, I will see people confusing the two. They say bored when what they really mean is boring, or they say boring when what they really mean is bored. So somebody will say, there's nothing to do today. I'm so boring. What they mean, what they should say is, I'm so bored. There are many pairs like this in English. Many uh, pairs of words that have to do with people's feelings or perceptions or emotions. So we have words like bored and boring. 
surprised, surprising, disappointed, disappointing, embarrassed, embarrassing, annoyed, annoying, amused, amusing, interested, interesting. There are many pairs like this. How many? I'm not sure. Maybe a hundred? I don't know. Many of these are very common words, and you'll hear them very often. I think I understand why people find them so confusing. And I think I know how to explain the difference to you, so you won't be confused by them anymore. You will always say that you are bored when there's nothing to do, instead of that you're boring when there's nothing to do. Here's what I think the difference is in each of these cases, for each of these pairs of words, where there is an ed form, like bored, and an ing form, like boring. The ed form always refers to a person's thoughts or feelings or emotions. Maybe not always a person, maybe it could be an animal. It refers to the thoughts and feelings of emotions of uh, anything that can have thoughts and feelings and emotions. So your cat can be bored, just like you could be bored. Your friend could be bored, and your dog could be bored. Now, I don't know much about other animals, but maybe also a bird can be bored, and maybe, um, maybe a goat can be bored, and maybe a turtle can be bored. I don't know. But if something can be bored or can have emotions, then it's appropriate to use one of these ED forms of these, of these words. So, again, the ED form always refers to the thoughts or feelings of emotions of a creature, usually a person, but not always. It describes somebody's or something's feelings, their inner state, what's happening inside their minds. The ING form which looks like a verb, it's the present participle form of a verb, really has to do with causing something, doing something, making someone else feel a certain way. If a movie is boring, that means it makes other people feel bored. If you have a friend who is very boring, that means it's no fun to be around your friend. Your friend often makes you feel bored. So again, I'll say it a few more times too. Maybe you already get it, but I think it's good to have it reinforced. The ED form of these words refers to your feelings or your thoughts, your impressions, what's happening inside you. The ING form refers to something you do or you do to other people or something that something else does to other people. So you see one big difference. The ED form always refers to a human or another animal that has thoughts and feelings. But the ING form, like boring or surprising or disappointing, can refer to anything. It can refer to an object. It can refer to an event. Or a situation. It does not need to refer to an animal or a creature. So I can feel bored when I read a boring book. Or I can be interested in the professor's lectures because those lectures are often 
interesting. They make me feel interested, or they make other people feel interested. Now, other pairs like this that I didn't mention before, I made a little list, are words like frustrated and frustrating, confused and confusing, frightened, frightening, appall, appalling. That word's not quite as common. Uh, To appall somebody means to uh, surprise, shock, and offend them. Sort of all of those things together go into uh, the idea of the word appall. So I can feel appalled when something shocking or offensive happens. And a person or a person's behavior or a, or a very rude joke or a very shocking situation, these could all be appalling. Uh, oh, and the last thing on my list was worried and worrying. And like I said, there are many things on this list. It's not only these mm, 10 or so pairs that I mentioned. I did want to mention a couple other pairs, though, because these are pairs that don't follow the pattern. The first pair is pretty common. I think these are pretty common words, and it's scared is the first part, but the second part of this pair is not scaring, S-C-A-R-I-N-G. We never refer to a very scaring movie. So a movie that makes us feel scared is never called a scaring movie. For that word, we use scary, S-C-A-R-Y. So that's, that's a little bit of an exception to this pattern, this E-D-I-N-G pattern. The other pair that I came up with that is an exception, and maybe there are others that don't quite follow the pattern either, but the other one that I noticed was delighted, and then the second, pair, second part of that pair is not delighting, Not usually, at least. It's delightful. So something that is delightful makes me feel delighted. So this is the pattern for almost all of these words, I think. Maybe you'll find others that don't quite fit the pattern. If you do, please send them in. I'd like to know about them. I I need to make sure that I have a a good list. And I need to make sure um, for you and for future episodes of the podcast and for ESL, students that I work with, I need to make sure I get this right. So if you find other examples that don't fit this pattern, let me know. I'd like to see them. To sum up, what the pattern is, wherever it does apply, again, the ED word, the ED form of these uh, adjectives has to do with a person's thoughts or feelings. And the ING form of these adjectives has to do with causing or creating a feeling in other people. In future episodes of the Everybody ESL podcast, I will introduce more interesting, I hope interesting, topics of English grammar, maybe things you've always wondered about, maybe things you've never quite understood. And if you have suggestions for future topics, please let me know. Remember, I need your help. So if you have a suggestion, send it to me at everybodyesl at gmail.com. For this week's 
vocabulary, I chose a theme that's、uh, been in the news a lot lately. The theme is an eclipse. So, this gives you some idea of when I'm recording this. Right now, I'm sitting in my house in Seattle, Washington, and the eclipse is supposed to be here in a,、mm, about 20 hours. And in Seattle, We are going to have close to a 92% um, eclipse. So,、uh, close to 92% of the sun will be blocked. So, eclipses are kind of on my mind right now. I'm、uh, looking forward to seeing it tomorrow, even if it might end up being a little too cloudy、um, to get the most dramatic viewing of it. I still think it's going to be pretty fun. So, That's why I picked the theme of eclipses for this week's vocabulary list. And the very first word is eclipse. So you have certainly been hearing about it in the noun sense. An eclipse happens when one celestial body, one big thing up in space, like the sun or the moon or the earth, when one thing passes in front of another thing or blocks another thing. Which is what we're going to see tomorrow, what's going to happen tomorrow. But there's also a verb form of eclipse, and that means to figuratively cover something up, to make something look worse or look less impressive in comparison. If somebody,、uh, maybe your, your big brother or big sister, always does better than you. Uh, in school or in sports, then you could say that your big brother or big sister eclipses you. Now, this meaning of eclipse reminds me of a very similar meaning, which is to overshadow. It really does have the same meaning. It means to put something in your shadow. If you overshadow something, it means you make something. Uh, appear less important or less significant. So if something overshadows you or overshadows your efforts, that means you or your efforts look less impressive. And there's an expression that we use it's to be in someone's shadow. If you are in someone's shadow, it's as though they are covering you up with their shadow. They're, they're blocking light or attention from you. You look less impressive and less wonderful in comparison to, to this other person or what they are able to do. The next word in our eclipse related vocabulary is umbra. U M B R A. Umbra means a shadow or a shaded area. And it's not a very common word, but we do see it in a word that is very common, and the word is umbrella. The word umbrella comes from a Latin word that means little shadow. When you、uh, hold an umbrella above your head, you make a shadow. So even though the word umbra, Which comes up when people talk about eclipses. Even though the word umbra is not very common, there's a word that's related that is a common word umbrella. 
The next word is witness. And witness can be a noun or a verb. As a noun, it means, usually it means somebody who observes something or um, somebody who tells about his or her experience or observation. You will often hear the word witness when you are watching a movie about a courtroom, or if you are in a courtroom, you will hear the word witness. And it's also a verb meaning to observe something or to be present while something is happening, to witness an event. If there is um, a bad traffic accident, the police might want to find witnesses, people who saw it happen and who can give information about it. The next word is lunar, L-U-N-A-R, lunar. You know lunar? Not too common. Lunar means having to do with the moon. Which brings us to our next word, solar, S-O-L-A-R. Now, this word I bet you've heard, solar means having to do with the sun. Most likely you have heard someone talk about solar energy. Solar comes from the Latin word sol, meaning the sun. So solar has to do with the sun. Lunar has to do with the moon. The next word is partial. Sometimes people talk about a partial eclipse. Depending where you are in the world, on August 21st, the eclipse that you see might be a partial eclipse. And the clue to the meaning of partial can be found in the first four letters, P-A-R-T, part. Partial just means partly, part way, having to do with only a part. In other words, not complete or not total. And that's the last word in our vocabulary list this week, total, meaning complete or perfect or everything. And I hope you maybe learned some new words or maybe learned some new meanings of words that you already knew or learned where some words come from. I always think that's interesting. Not everybody cares about that, but I always think it's fun to learn uh, where words come from. And now it's time for the joke of the week. I can't promise that the joke of the week will be a good joke or a funny joke. Probably these jokes will be terrible jokes, but I think that they will all teach you something interesting about English. This joke comes from a big book of jokes for kids, and many of the jokes in a book like this are not really very good. I think you'll find that this one is also not very good. The joke goes like this. Why can't you fool a snake? Why can you not fool a snake? The answer is, because you can't pull its leg. Does that make any sense to you? 
Why can't you fool a snake because you can't pull its leg? Well, you can't pull a snake's leg because a snake doesn't have a leg. But that's not very funny or very interesting. The reason why it's a joke is because of an English idiom, which is to pull someone's leg. If you pull someone's leg, that means you fool them or you trick them or you tell them something that isn't true. So you can't fool a snake because you can't pull its leg. So we have two meanings of the expression to pull something's leg. One is the literal meaning to grab onto somebody's leg and pull it. And the other is the figurative or idiomatic meaning, which is to fool someone, to tell them something that isn't true and make them believe it. Now, they say that explaining a joke ruins the joke. If you explain why something is funny, it's not funny anymore. I think that's usually true. It's definitely true with this joke. But the purpose of the joke of the week isn't really to teach you a great joke. It's to teach you about a pun in English, you know, wordplay, or maybe an interesting idiom or figure of speech that you didn't already know. And I hope with this week's joke of the week, you learned something good, a good expression to pull someone's leg. Often you will hear somebody say, after they have heard something very surprising, something that they might not believe, they say, are you pulling my leg? In other words, are you telling me something that's not true? Are you trying to make me believe something that isn't true? And that's at the heart of this joke. Maybe not a good joke, but maybe a useful joke. Now, this is not really about language specifically. It's not about vocabulary or grammar or pronunciation, but it's about how language is used. I have seen many people ask about this one simple thing in English, or at least American English, and that is, what do I do when someone says, Hi, how are you? Now, this is an example of small talk. You know what small talk is, right? Small talk is usually impersonal conversation. Usually impersonal conversation with somebody you don't know very well. It might be a complete stranger. It might be somebody waiting in line at the grocery store or waiting next to you at the bus stop. It could also be somebody you work with or have a class with or a neighbor. It usually is somebody you don't have a very close relationship with who you are engaging in small talk with. Um, the classic example of small talk is talking about the weather. 
That's something you can talk about safely and easily with anybody, even if you don't know anything about them. You could talk about the weather with somebody who is completely different from you, from the other side of the planet, who has a totally different lifestyle. You can always safely, easily talk about the weather. So that's what small talk is. It's that small, unimportant, easy, impersonal talk. Sometimes we call that chit-chat also. I guess it's a kind of chatting. The standard greeting, which you will hear from strangers or strangers or people you have just met, or maybe also your friends or coworkers or fellow classmates or teachers is, how are you? A variation on that is, how are you doing? Or, what's going on? Or, what's up? When someone asks you, how are you doing? Unless it is a friend of yours or a family member or somebody you know, they probably are not actually looking for a real answer. They're probably not asking you, hey, how are you doing? What, how is your life going these days? What kinds of problems do you have? I, I hope everything is okay. That's probably not what they're thinking. They're using, hi, how are you, as a standard greeting. It's just sort of a longer version of hello. It just means I see you, I'm greeting you, I'm being polite, and at least a little bit friendly. Or maybe a better word for that is civil. Um, so <laughs> polite in a way designed to uh, keep, a, keep society running, to keep everybody friendly enough with each other. So if somebody asks you, hi, how are you? Or how are you doing? And this person is not a friend or a family member or somebody you know, you can always answer with the standard impersonal reply, which is, fine. And you? Or, I'm fine. How are you? Or you could say, oh, fine, thanks. How are you? You don't need to say how you're really doing. If you're not doing fine, you don't have to tell them that. They don't really care if this is someone who doesn't know you. They're just trying to make small talk, make conversation, make some chit-chat. So you can always say, oh, I'm fine. How are you? Sometimes when people ask me, people who I don't know, they say, hey, how are you? How are you doing? Sometimes I just answer with, hey, how are you? I don't even bother answering the question because I know they're not really looking for an answer. They're just greeting me. They're just saying hello. So if somebody asks you, how are you? You can always say fine or variations on that. Like, oh, I'm okay or I'm doing well or everything's good. How are you? How's it going with you? These responses are always okay. Don't worry if they're not very sincere. Maybe things aren't going well with you. Maybe you're in the middle of some sort of horrible family situation or crisis. Maybe you're sick. It doesn't matter. You can always say, oh, I'm fine. Thanks. How are you doing? And the other person will probably answer the same way. Oh, I'm fine. So that is your first 
lesson about American small talk. It's what to do when someone says to you, Hi, how are you? Now you know. And now, I would like to try something a little bit different. I would like to give you a listening test so that you can test your listening skills. I know that from my experience of learning foreign languages, listening is the hardest thing. At least for me, listening is the hardest thing. I might think I have a pretty good grasp on vocabulary and grammar, but when it comes to listening, I feel like all of my skills and all of my knowledge just sort of melt away, and I'm left sitting there not knowing what I'm hearing. And it's very difficult sometimes for me to make sense of something in a foreign language, even if it's pretty simple. So uh, I think listening is really one of the very most important things. So I would like to give you a little listening test. The first thing I'm going to do is read a paragraph, a very brief story that I wrote for you, and I'm going to read it in a normal conversational speed, the same way I might read the story to a friend, another native English speaker. Then, after I do that, I'll read the whole story again at a slower pace, more like the pace I'm speaking to you right now, which maybe will make things a little bit easier to follow, depending on your English level. Are you ready? All right, here goes. My friend Bob is a vet, and after a long day at the office, he was ready to go home. He was looking forward to sitting down, putting his feet up, and watching a movie on TV. As he drove along the busy city streets, he listened to the radio. He heard a story about a big storm moving into the area. The report said that the whole region might lose electricity, and if that happened, it could be days before the power came back on. Bob realized he'd need to stop at the grocery store to pick up supplies. He needed to buy batteries for flashlights, some candles, and enough food and water to last for a few days. And he couldn't forget food for Ellie and Gadget, his cats. When he got to the store, it was jam-packed with people. Everyone must have heard the same report on the radio. It seemed like the whole neighborhood was here, buying emergency supplies. It would be a while longer before Bob could finally relax at home. Okay, how did you do? Was that too fast? I would like to read it again, this time at a slower speed. My friend Bob is a vet, and after a long day at the office, he was ready to go home. He was looking forward to sitting down, putting his feet up, and watching a movie on TV. As he drove along the busy city streets, he listened to the radio. He heard a story about a big storm moving into the area. The report said that the whole region might lose electricity, and if that happened, it could be days before the power came back on. Bob realized he'd need to stop at the grocery store to pick up supplies. He needed to buy batteries for flashlights, some candles, and enough food and water to last for a few days. And he couldn't forget food for Ellie and Gadget, his cats. When he got to the store, it was jam-packed with people. Everyone must have heard the same report on the radio. 
It seemed like the whole neighborhood was here, buying emergency supplies. It would be a while longer before Bob could finally relax at home. And now I have five questions for you about the story about Bob. Number one, what is Bob's job? Number two, what news did Bob hear on the radio? Number three, what kind of pets does Bob have? Do you remember their names? Number four, how long might the power be out at Bob's house? And number five, what was the scene at the grocery store? In other words, what did Bob see when he got to the grocery store? Are you ready for the answers? If you need more time, just pause and then come back and hear the answers. The answers are, number one, what is Bob's job? Bob is a vet. That's short for veterinarian. He's an animal doctor. Number two, what news did Bob hear on the radio? He heard that a big storm was moving into the area. Number three, what kind of pets does Bob have? Bob has two cats, and their names are Ellie and Gadget. Do you know the word gadget? Gadget is a great word. It, that's spelled G-A-D-G-E-T, gadget. A gadget is a small, simple machine, a small, simple tool or device. It's a very good word to know, gadget. And that's one of Bob's cats, is gadget. Number four, how long might the power be out at Bob's house? All we know is that the radio said that the power might be out for a few days. Actually, I don't know if the radio said that, but that's what Bob thought, and that's what the story said. And the last question of our listening quiz this week, what was the scene at the grocery store? In other words, what did Bob see when he got to the store? He saw that there were many people there. It was jam-packed. That's another way of saying very crowded, as though people were packed in tightly. It looked like the whole neighborhood was there buying emergency supplies. All right, that's the quiz. How did you do? We've reached the end of the very first episode of the Everybody ESL podcast. I hope you learned something. I hope it gave you something to think about. And I hope I was able to give you a little bit of encouragement. Sometimes I think maybe that's actually the most important thing when you're trying to learn or improve a foreign language. I know it can be very difficult. So I hope that I can encourage you to keep going, keep practicing, keep learning. If you have any questions at all for me or any comments on this episode or suggestions for a future episode, please send me an email. Write to me at everybodyesl at gmail.com. If you have a good idea for a joke for a future episode, send it in. You could even record yourself 
asking the question or telling the joke and send me the audio file. You can record yourself speaking English so we can all hear your accent and hear how well you're doing. I hope I will see you again for the next episode. Goodbye.